What do you want? Get a podcast to you. <laughs> Gotta talk about Jello movies just for you. The only thing I'd like, I'd really like, is to meet you face to face. It'll happen sooner or later, but you don't have to recognize us. Thanks. However, you disappoint me, duck. You throw a challenge my way. <laughs> I almost forgot the most important part. We go by Creep Creeperson and Chris. And this is Chow Chow Chow. Got it. The harbor, a phone booth sitting right near Pier 11. I'll get out the APB. Move, you bastard. Ciao, ciao, everybody, and welcome to the episode 60 episode of Ciao, ciao. The episode 60 episode. Yes. That's awesome. Hey, look, my overlay is still working. You're kicking ass and taking names. My overlay is still working. That sounds like. That's what she said. Start of a good joke. Yeah. Okay. Where did that link go? Already starting super pro on our <laughs> 60th spectacular. Which link? Oh, I was just putting a link up on the thingy. All right. Okay. So um, we have tons of poo to talk about. Um, let me see. I'm trying to build suspense. Um, so, loads of shit to talk about. So, um, hit it. Jason is on live with us. Hey, Jason. Ciao, ciao. So, tonight we're going to be talking about Amok, the French sex murders. We have a poop ton of updates. And there's even more. Oh, have you been finding Pokemon out in the world? <laughs> yes. You know what sucks? My phone's GPS is all messed up because uh, I spilled water on my phone at one point, and it just short-circuited, I guess, some of the some of the electronics inside. So my GPS is off, and my Wi-Fi is weak, and my Bluetooth doesn't work. So now that like the world is trying to look for Pokemon everywhere they go, I'm trying, and um, my... I'm not doing very well because I walk 
and my guy walks the opposite direction that I walk because the GPS is all fucked up. So I do have a few, um, but I, I was told apparently there's day Pokemon and night Pokemon that are different. So if you go out at night and look for them, you can only find them at night or something like that. Yeah, my daughter's friend. Okay, my daughter's 13, okay? Her friend goes out to this park behind her house at 3 o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. to fucking grab Pokemon and shit. Wow. And that's a little dangerous. Um, but, uh... Yeah, Jason's worried about uh, finding corpses. That's funny. Did you hear about that? No. Did that really happen? Someone was like uh, looking for a Pokemon and found a body in a river. And um, (laughs) someone else was trying to do it while they were driving, like driving down the road and like caused some major huge accident on a highway. Well, let me tell you, I went to Philadelphia as I do every day, and it is dangerous playing that game because I'm walking you know, in a very high traffic area that got my phone out. And then all of a sudden it vibrates because, you know, a wild, um, meoweth has been spotted and, uh, I have to, I have to throw a ball at it. But meanwhile, like there's a, there's a taxi cab that's trying to turn left right where I'm walking and beeping at me. And, uh, it's crazy, but I, I just assume that everybody I saw walking around today with their phones out, was doing the same thing. Uh, how long ago did this thing came out? Only a I couple don't know. Of days? <clears throat> it's funny because the only reason why I got it is because my daughter does it. Well, she yeah. tries to do it, but her phone's too shit. Yeah. And, um, she was complaining about not being able to get a Charmander that was in the living room. So I downloaded the app, turned it on, and snatched it from her. Oh, man. Now, but can you, like, you could is, there, but, is there a way to trade them, like, between? I have no idea. I was just being you're like, I'm going to get that. Screw you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting your Charmander. <clears throat> so that was that. And yeah, that's then, awesome. Oh, thankfully, the one who caused the wreck was an Onion-esque hoax. The corpse actually happened. No word on if they found a ghost type there or not. Hmm. Dun, dun, Done. I think it's interesting that we've had this phenomenon that's only been around for a few days and we already have countless editorials on the dangers of walking around and not looking where you're going. Well, um, I was walking in the post office today and my phone had to tell me that I had to look out or else a dragon was going to eat me. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a good service you're, um, that your phone is providing for you. So it's nice. Yeah. So anyway. So so by the way, I thought um, as as I went through the two films tonight that we should really be um, naming this the Barbara Boucher and Rosalba Rosalba Neri episode because um, they're both in both films, and uh, Barbara Boucher really isn't in the second one for very long. But she comes back in a very important flashback. Oh, yes. She certainly does. So, um, all that stuff happens. So, do you want to talk about Jalascore um, things, or do we talk about... No, let's, let's talk about the important stuff. The big the big Chow Chow Network. The big Chow Chow Network. Okay, everybody. I've been teasing you about this for about 22 hours. And now I'm about to let the Charmander out of the Pokeball. 
So what's going on is um, we've been talking about it a little bit for a while. Um, me and Zoe, my wife, who I did another podcast with a while back, have been talking about it pretty much ever since Jalo Chow Chow started. We just were super fucking lazy for a while. Um, but basically, we've been wanting to do other genres of stuff, mainly We've been wanting to do a spaghetti Western show ever since we started the Jalo show. Like that was like, we were going to do them both at the same time. We thought it was going to be super fun. And then life happened and all sorts of other shit. So anyway, um, and then with that, um, and getting into the Poliziotechke films, um, we've been really wanting to do something on that. And I've been wanting to talk about cannibal movies, the cannibal boom for so long. Um, so anyway, long story short, um, we decided to, instead of doing a bunch of different podcast feeds and websites and all this other shit that we were going to do, um, just the chow chow network and have, our Western chow chow and our cannibal chow chow and our criminal chow chow and our horror chow chow and our chow 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 chow. No, I'm just kidding. That's <laughs> top suey or something. Um, but uh, we thought we would put all this on one thing. Now, um, there's a lot of other stuff that we've been wanting to do, i.e. a print fanzine um, called the chow chow papers that's been in the works for probably since episode 10. Um, I started putting that together and, um, it just hasn't fucking happened just because of all sorts of other shit and between hosting and gear and all this other stuff. Um, we started a Patreon, um, at, uh, patreon.com slash chow chow. And there are five different tiers that you could be a part of. And um, they are the Dario tier, the Mario tier, the Umberto tier, the George tier, and the most sexy, the Edwidge tier. Even though Chris Mm. likes Barbara Boucher better now. I do. Dick. As As of this week, at least. Yeah, that's okay. Anyway, oh, I just uh, my only my only complaint is that Dario is at the lowest tier. I think he needs to be higher. Well, I just figured that he's the lowest tier because he's usually the gateway drug. Like, right, he's the he's the fucking shit weed that everyone gets before yeah, they start doing that's a good point. That's a good point. I I knew you were going to bring that up. And, <laughs> and you're like, and why is there an Umberto tier? Um, but no, oh, Umberto created every genre that we're going to cover. So yeah, so that works. <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/chowchow. Yes, that is correct. And um, if you go to jellochowchow.com, which you still can, um, or you can go to chowchownetwork.com, it'll take you to the same site. But um, there are things that you can't get that you used to be able to get on there. 
um, i.e. a lot of the archive. And since there's going to be um, four new or three new podcasts that are going to be free to everybody and uh, four or three other podcasts that are going to be exclusive to Patreon subscribers, which is the Cannibal Chow Chow, the Chow Chow Commentaries, and the Chow Chow Roundtable, um, which you could find out about, and we'll probably talk about it another time or something like that. But, um, oh, and then there's the forums also that are going to be on the, if you do the Patreon thing, you get to um, be a part of the forums and everything like that. And um, there's certain things like I did a caption thing today. I put on there. It's like a, it's the picture of Barbara Boucher in the white bikini. And it's like caption that picture. And uh, Oh, where's that? That's on the forums, which I got to sign you up on. Okay, cool. Why we were doing that whole thing. And then there's another thing where every week I'm going to put a random picture from a movie and you guys got to guess what movie it is. And if you get it right, you get something. So, um, but yeah, there's all sorts of swag and all sorts of other shit that we're trying to do. And um, so hopefully us putting this much time into it kind of justifies us asking for anything, like even a dollar um, is cool to fucking get started on everything. And there's still some bugs being worked out and I've been trying day and night for the last day to try to fix it. And, um, (laughs) hopefully it'll be done, um, tonight. So that is what, so Jalo Chow Chow isn't going to change. The only difference is, is it's going to be once a month instead of every two weeks. And, um, but in its place or not in its place, but every week there's going to be a new chow chow. It's going to be, um, the criminal chow chow, which is the Euro crime Polizio, uh, show, um, Western chow chow, which is the spaghetti Westerns and then horror chow chow, which is the, um, Italian horror films. So, um, and I think the first, Polizio Teschi uh, we're going to do is Bandits in Milan and then um, the first Western we're actually going to do a fistful of dollars just to get the big Sergio Eastwood thing going. You're starting off with the big the big guns. Well we're starting off with the one that was the one it's not the first of the genre by any means but it was the one that made everyone go, Oh shit, we need to make a movie like this. Right. So, was, um, was that was, was fistful of dollars. I mean, obviously, you know, you've got Clint Eastwood and Sergio Leone. Um, is that the first film that made the international audience kind of notice what was going on with, I with, think so. With I Italian think the, Westerns? there was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, there was one before that, that, um, won some awards at some international film festivals, but I don't think it really did big in the States. Right. Fistful of Dollars is the first one that really had crossover appeal everywhere. Cool. But, um, and then for, uh, I don't know, um, cause you're going to do the horror one too, right? 
Yeah, I'm I'm down for the horror one, and I'm I'm excited for the Polizio one. Um, I may be just a you could uh, jump in. I may be a viewer on that one more than a, a contributor, but uh, yeah, the, I, all of these topics definitely interest me. I think the one, I mean, clearly, I have a lot of knowledge on Giallo now that we've done all of these sixty episodes. Um, but I, you know, I I probably have a lot of um, back background on the horror stuff as well. The yeah. Polizio stuff. I, I'm clueless on and the Westerns um, I kind of need an excuse to sit down and watch them because um, I never really have time to watch movies anyway. And so when I do take a, a take a time to sit down and watch a movie um, it's usually one of two things. One of them is um, that my wife is around and so we're going to watch something that's conventional or we may just watch a couple of episodes of um orange is the new black or whatever whatever show we decide that we're going to watch which currently is that's what we're watching um if my wife isn't around or if she's uh asleep or whatever then i'll probably put a giallo on as my first pick because i know that um we're covering something or there's something I want to do for the website. So it's really hard for me to find the time to say, Hey, I'm going to put on, um, you know, Django kill or something like that. Um, because <clears throat> I probably have a backlog of, you know, a hundred and some odd films that I've been waiting to, to watch when I have free time and I just don't yeah. have it. So, um, being able to jump in and, and do a horror one would be pretty easy for me. Cause most of it, I, I, uh, the films I've seen before. Um, but yeah, if I had to pick, I'd probably pick, pick the, the, the crime stuff before I pick the Western stuff simply because it seems like an easy gateway from Giallo over oh, to so much fun, dude. Yeah. It looks like it's like, I, I, I get the, for some reason I get the sense that the, the spaghetti Westerns are a little bit more on the epic scale and they move a little bit slower and, they're, they're way slower. It's not a bad thing, but if you're not really in the mood for something like that, you know, yeah. it's not it's not going to keep your interests. So sure. I mean, you know, like because you know, was it Once Upon a Time in the West uh, or that um, one goes the on bad, the ugly? Yeah, like two and a half hours. Yeah, I mean the there's a lot of other ones that aren't that long, obviously, but. Um, the thing that's really funny about them and some people who like despise Jallo or whatever would probably say the same thing, but there are like three distinct different um, formulas in the okay. Westerns and they all came out like all together at the same time almost. Huh. So like in like a three year period, you had a bunch of movies that almost had the exact same storyline and then a movie came out that was really cool that did something a little different. And then every fucking movie did that for the next couple of years. Right. So it's just, it's, it's interesting, but so, um, I, oh, and then I was going to say for the, um, cannibal show, that one's going to be a kind of short lived show, probably like 25 episodes of just, um, a little bit about, the movement and uh, the movies themselves or whatever, but it was uh, an extremely short lived um, movement, I guess you could yeah. say, but um, we'll do a, 
I don't know which one we'll do first. We'll, did, that, we'll... did that kind of spawn from a cross between like the the mondos and the horror kind of coming together and making like a horror, like a, the cannibal thing? Well, the um, what's that movie? The Man from Deep River. Yeah, um, that was like seventy two or seventy three or something, and then there wasn't really a whole. There were little tinkers of movies in between that and 77 or whatever but um when cannibal holocaust came out it was like what the fuck and everybody did one like within like a two-year period right and um then like they kind of trickled out and there were like a couple in the 80s and like one or two in the 90s but um and then eli roth um post-apocalyptic subgenre yes um we're kind of taking it slow because there are because there's like also like the the spy films and the um like the sex comedies um yeah. that's really stupid but like i really have been digging on those lately too so um there will be other stuff and we're open to suggestions from what people want kind of thing. And we're open to subject suggestions of shows that um, if anyone wants to kind of take part and help out and put a show together, I'm totally down with um, talking to you and seeing what we could put together for that. Yeah. Because it is the network. So yeah. Hence the idea. Now, um, the thing about the sex comedies were they, they really didn't export out of Italy as well as the rest of these films, right? I mean, most of the sex Maybe comedies did, are, are not out of not out of like proper Europe. Yeah, because I mean, most of them don't have English um, soundtracks, right? I think most of them are all in Italian. Um, yeah, I was just what's that chick's name? Gloria? Is it Gloria Giddle or something? Have you seen Blue Jeans, by the way? No. Did we talk about that on the last episode? I think so. Was that was that a, um, a police film? Well, I thought it was, but it ended up being like a weird sex film with a little bit of drama at the end. Huh. Anyway, yeah, I think I, we did talk about it. Yeah, I started watching um, a few more of her flicks because she's like saucy-ish. Right. But, um, but yeah, so, but yeah, all those are just subtitles and the subtitles are so fucked, but right. I don't even know if it's, but I don't think anyone gives a shit at the same time. They're like, let's put some kind of story together here. But, um, anyway, uh, would you mind? Cause, um, I would like, cause I think you have a better knowledge of the Italian horror side of things anyway. Right. Sure. Um, but I was wondering, could we do zombie first? Yeah. Zombie zombie. Like, yeah. Fuck yeah. I absolutely love that movie and I love that soundtrack and it's just it's so much fucking fun, dude. Yeah, the soundtrack is fantastic. Yeah, I listen to that a lot. But well, um, and, and I was thinking about I mean I know that there's a sword and sandal subgenre yeah. and then there's a little bit of sci-fi, like contamination is kind of like a sci-fi film, but well, there were those um, shitty like space movies, and then there were some that they did. I don't think there was enough to have like a actual subgenre, but there were some movies that Italy did with Japan, like with Toho. Oh, okay. 
um, to work with like miniatures and stuff like that. Huh. And um, that I did not know. It's awful. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, they're fun. Like, you know, they're fun as shit. But, uh, and there's, and then like just like crimmies in general, like, the, like how the German crimmy, like, fucking, um, Oh, let me see this. We're not forgetting it. Pots and if anyone who's watching, um, if you don't, if you want to chat with us, um, like Jason and Brian are doing, um, there's a Q and a button, I think. Um, and there's like a super cool surprise I'm trying to put together right now. And I'm having a hard time doing it. Um, but, I can uh, I can uh, interrupt while you're working on that because I, yeah, I can go through a couple of things. Um, so anyway, just not to completely just drop out of that topic, I think it's really awesome. It's very exciting that um, we're branching out because, again, um, like I said before, the horror thing, I've, I came to the party with a lot of that um, knowledge and the Jalo stuff just continues to, to get, uh, more and more evolved. And I think that we really, I, you know, it's, it's important, I guess you probably already kind of made this point creep, but it's important that we stress that the Jalo stuff, we still have plenty of Jolly left to cover. Yeah, um, we really do. There's at least maybe, I don't know, there's probably room for 40 or so more films, um, in that genre. Oh, so, than that yeah i mean well we have to make them up right <laughs> um <laughs> you know even if we start going through you know troy's books and just checking them off just to see which ones we missed but um but i'm you know i'm i definitely am excited about the other stuff because uh, i needed to i wanted to branch out and and uh and think about um some of this other stuff but um i wanted to make an announcement that we did have a winner uh for those of you who are on our uh, Facebook page, the Chow Chow Network. Uh, now, um, we did have a winner for our Jallo playing cards giveaway. Um, just to recap, um, from two shows ago, we put the contest out to see if anybody could recognize. Um, first, at first, we said, "Can you recognize all four of the <laughs> classical pieces in the washing machine?" and um, Nobody responded at all. So we cut it down to, can you name any of the four pieces featured in the washing machine? Um, and we got Steve Rothwell was able to guess um, the third. Uh, so, so technically, I'll give you the answers. The first one was um, Beethoven's third symphony called the Eroica, uh, which was written for... Um, written for that short dictator guy. What the heck was his name? Napoleon. Uh, Napoleon, there you go. <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't remember that. Um, now, the second classical piece in the film, I still can't figure out. I tried um, Shazamming it, and I didn't get anywhere. So I don't know what it is. It occurs... Um, it's the scene where um, the, the, the main protagonist is walking around in the area where they have the Turkish baths, where they have the big outdoor... Uh, bath areas and at the same time the girl is uh, doing the ironing and she's drinking and she burns her hand that's the scene where they're playing that music um, and I don't know what it is um, I may never know because I may never 
ever get enough desire to go back and find out. The <laughs> third and the fourth piece um, in the film come right next to each other. So the first one is the overture to Mozart's The Magic Flute Opera. And then after the overture is the part in the, in the film where um, they have uh, male and female opera singers. Uh, and at the same time, I think like the, one of the three girls is getting it on with the, with, with the cop um, up, up in the balcony or whatever. And um, that is also from the magic flute and it's called, Papa Giro, Papa Juro, or something of that sort, and and so anyway, those are the answers. So I just want to congratulate um, Steve, who got that right. Um, I haven't just fucking knew him too. That's what was crazy. It wasn't even like a he had to go look him up. He was just like, "Oh, is this it?" Yeah, yeah. So that was fantastic. I mean, we um, I knew we were going to find somebody that was going to be able to get it the magic flute one is the the beethoven one and the magic flute overture one are pretty familiar but it's kind of like you kind of have to know them um a little bit more than just the familiarity of the melody to be like oh yeah okay i know because like the beethoven one it sounds like beethoven but you're like well it's not the fifth symphony we know what that one sounds like and it's not the ninth symphony we know what that one sounds like because they're so famous, but this one is the third. And and so you need a little bit more knowledge than just um, rudimentary classical music knowledge. So I, I uh, applaud Steve and he sent me his address. I haven't sent the cards out yet to him, but I will be doing that this week. Um, yeah. And now we have to think of um, how we're going to give away the next couple. So I, I don't have an idea yet. So we've got a lot of, stuff here that we're talking about this week. So maybe we'll save that for next, the next episode. I don't know if you see what I see, but do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Is it a Pokemon? No. No. Okay. Well then it, it's not working yet. So it'll be okay. I don't, I don't see what you see. Okay. <laughs> oh wait. Oh yeah. I do see somebody. Something. Oh. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll wait until it starts working. But a couple eyes things without a face, got no human race. I want to thank Jason for becoming an Edwidge. Yay! Wow! Thanks, Jason. Fantastic! You just hit up the Edwidge tier, which is cool. the most sexy of the tiers. Absolutely. So um, that's fucking badass. So thank Edwidge. you so much. And Al said, um, sex comedies with a question mark. So I don't know if that means, are we thinking of doing sex comedies or do you not know what a sex comedy is? Well, it's usually <laughs> about the time when I finish in the bedroom, but, uh, uh but I'm bumped. Wait a minute. There's gotta be a sound effect. Yeah, right we got to wait for the sound effects. You don't do, do that again. Do, do your joke one more time. Okay. Well, normally a sex comedy is when I finish in the bedroom. <clears throat> there it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, like all of those um, ridiculous movies where, like, dudes, like, practically... It's actually kind of um, a little rapey sometimes. <laughs> 
Uh, well, yeah. Man. The other day, and like it was supposed to be funny that this little dude was like trying to rip this girl's clothes off, mm. and um, he was being totally ridiculous, and she was like pushing him off, and um, she was like totally cool with him afterwards. She's like, "What are you doing? Stop it!" And he's like, "Oh, sorry, sorry." Uh, well, that that happened in the the second film that we're covering tonight. There's the scene where the blonde girl is sitting on the sitting in the booth with the one guy and he's just drunk and like oh that was ridiculous i didn't really understand what was going on yeah <laughs> honestly <laughs> um the only other thing that i would uh like to point out really quickly is that we've added a couple of minor score enhancements to the jalo score website um based on some discussions we've had in recent um Recent episodes, um, the you know we talked already about having Ortolani added as one of the main uh, soundtrack contributors. Um, but for the signatures, the ones that get one point apiece, um, we used to have one that said that the name of the film has an animal, a number, or a color or color in the title. Um, but we never talked about that the word death was in the title, and I, I could have sworn that that was in there ages ago, like Death Walks at Midnight or Death um, Walks on High Heels. So I added that one in. Um, the other one, the other two that I added in was there was a discussion about having a criteria, a one-point criteria for whether there's a peeping Tom involved at all, and then the other one was the pseudoscience aspect which um, actually uh, the second film tonight got a point for pseudoscience, um, but pseudoscience is best described as uh, some sort of scientific way of trying to figure out who the killer is. Um, like some dude in a lab coat. Yeah, but like, you know, in Four Flies on Grey Velvet where they think that the eye takes a picture of the last thing it sees and it remains in there for a while, you know, after the person's dead and they figure it out you know, how yeah. to find the killer or the XYY chromosome thing from Cat of Nine Tails or what have you. So um, those are in there. Uh, I have not gone through all the films to update them all yet. Um, that'll take a little bit of time, but there's a few films that have gotten a, a one-point bump. Um, a lot of the ones that are already high scores have already made the maximum 10 points for the signature, so adding more doesn't boost its score, it just for the sake of being thorough. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go through and, and fill those in. But um, So those are there. Not a big deal, but uh, if you're looking through the site, you'll notice that there's a few more criteria that we uh, judge the uh, the, jollos, the jolly on. It's a jolly jollo. Well, here is our next surprise. Does our next surprise want to say anything? Jeez, I left seven months ago, and Chris is still talking. <laughs> I haven't shut up yet. Yay! The surprise nobody asked for. <laughs> it's Eric! What's up, man? Not a whole lot. How you doing? I heard you guys were still doing this show somewhere. I thought I would, yeah, I I would come crash it. Well, we're doing it. Um, I'm still doing it in the same place, but Creep is somewhere in the middle of the moor, where yeah, the wolves howl and and things 
are crazy. Big yeah. Bear country? I'm in bear country, and that's not just a gay bar. Oh, I was going to say, you're with your kind then. God, Chris is <laughs> slow on that fucking rim shot, dude. Oh, <laughs> that's Sorry. what Peter said at the bar last night. <laughs> that was job. Rim job. Well, right. he could have shot on the rim. Whoa. <laughs> um, so, classy as ever. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Eric's going to be coming back um, to the Chow Chow uh, next episode, yeah? That's awesome. correct. You talked me into it. Um, I figured since you were building this big empire, I had to come back and claim <laughs> my ride your coat. Minimize it? Yeah. Right on, man. Yeah, absolutely. So and what are we going to do? We're going to do zombie. Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I interrupted. That happens all the time. <laughs> I was just going to say, what have you been doing to keep yourself busy? Well, the originally reason I left is because I actually did want to uh, follow in your footsteps, creep, and get back onto the, the whole writing train, um, do a little bit of creative writing. So I've got a couple things I'm going to try to polish up here towards the end of the year and maybe see if I can put out there for people to consume. But um, yeah, it was fun to just kind of get away for a little while and I wish I could have gone to some kind of bear country where you're at. It looks like it's very peaceful and very inspiring and I could have really used it to get a lot of done, get a lot of stuff done. But um, now I'm ready to kind of get back. I've, I didn't, I underestimated how much I was going to miss this thing. I really have missed it a lot, and I saw you guys did washing machine without me. I'm a little upset about that, but uh, <laughs> I'll forgive you. But yeah, I so that's I don't know if you missed out or you didn't miss out on washing machine. <laughs> Hard to say. It sounds of it. Sounds like I would have maybe had a, a good time talking about it with you guys, but as far as watching it by myself. <laughs> I would have rather probably been in a washing machine inside. <laughs> well, right on, man. So, um, are you going to take part in the... You're going to do the horror show, yeah, too? Or no? I'll start out doing the horror... Oh, yeah, I'll do a little bit of horror with you. I know it's been a while since I've done the, the horror game. Um, a couple of years since I had a podcast for it, but I would like to get back into it. I'm, I'm a really big fan of, um, you know, Fulci's trilogy that he did in the very early 80s. So stuff like that I think would be a lot of fun to go back and talk about. Sweet. Awesome, man. Yeah. The, um, this is, we, you've only been gone long enough for us to do one top ten list. I know, I kind of timed it well, didn't I? Yeah, <laughs> you did super good. And um, it was a little tricky doing a top ten list with math with just the two of us. Mm-hmm. Imagine. <laughs> Plus, you did like seventeen films or something, didn't you? Yeah, we did a little too many, uh, <laughs> but I think it worked out okay. Uh, so, do you want to go into that? Yeah, let's do it, Eric. <coughs> if you do need to split at any time, just yeah. I just wanted to pop in real quick and say hello to all the fans who have missed me and been writing letters and asking for me to come back and save the show, like uh, Seth Rollins or John Cena. <laughs> I know you've missed the wrestling talk. Um, yeah, i got to go catch some Pokemon now, so I think i got to go head out. Yeah, there's a lot out there. 
We've got to catch them all. <laughs> right on, man. Have a good show, guys. I'm, I'll listen in, and then I'll uh, meet you here in a couple weeks. All right, right. cool. Adios. See you, man. Later, Eric. Wow. There we Full go. Full of surprises this episode. I'm telling you, this is like that, you know, last Tonight Show where... It's going to make episode 61 suck. Right. I'm waiting for <laughs> Bette Midler to come out and sit on the desk and sing Send oh, in the Clowns or something. It's going to make me cry. <laughs> okay, so let's get to our top 17 of the last 10. <laughs> what a topic. So I, I think it's um, a no-brainer that number 17 was My Bloody Valentine. And it's just for me because it's not a jalo. So I couldn't really put it on top of other ones. Right. Yeah, um, no, I did I I definitely put that one on top of other ones. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> it w- it was up a little higher on yours for sure. Yeah. Yep. Um and then 16 was the French sex murders which we'll be talking about tonight in great detail. So yeah. you all know how amazing that is. Um <laughs> And then 15 was an ideal place to kill. Okay. That also Oasis of Fear. D- and Dirty Pictures, yeah. Dirty Pictures, yeah, I yeah. called it Dirty Pictures. Yeah. Only, be- only because that was the one where if you see the words Dirty Pictures, you know exactly which film we're talking about. Yeah. Because yeah. everything else is too fucking confusing. Everything else is a, a place to kill of some sort. Of yeah. Yeah. Well, um, in number 14, we have So Sweet, So... Oh, shit. Is it So Sweet, So Dead? No, So Sweet, So, so Perverse. Sweet, so Perverse. Fuck, yeah. man. I knew I was going to do that. I even wrote it down. Don't do that. And sweet, So Sweet, So Dead is way better than So Sweet, So Perverse. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then we have a three-way tie for 11th place. Okay. We know what it is. Okay. Do you, do you have an idea? A three-way tie for 11th place. Wait, let me say 1, 2, 3, or 17, 16, 15, 14, 12. Uh, I'm going to guess Washing Machine is one of the three. You are correct. Right. God, you're good, man. <laughs> so we have the Washing Machine, um, the Bloodstained Shadow, right, and Two Faces of Fear. Okay. Which I'm surprised about because I thought that movie was a little bit better than that. But even in my own list, it didn't get that high. Yeah, well, there were there were ones that were better. I think is all it was. I this this list is definitely not like for me. This list has a couple of really big clunkers, but then the rest of them are like either <coughs> decently good or very good. You know, yeah. depending on you know how you approach them. So. <clears throat> Well, then we have a tie for ninth between Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll and a Dragonfly for Each Corpse. Okay. So that's pretty amazing. We cover both of those on the same show. Yep. Um, Then at number eight, we have the Killer Reserve Nine Seats. Okay. Which you had that that higher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, At seven, the Bloodstained Butterfly. Six, Paranoia. 
five orgasmo. Mm, okay. And when we say paranoia, we're also talking about a quiet uh, place to kill. Quiet place to kill. Is like there a perfect a, place to kill? Or am I just an, an ideal place to kill is the yeah. dirty pictures one. Yeah. Okay. And, and a quiet place to kill it's just for anybody who's keeping track is the one with Jean Sorel. It's the only yeah. one with Jean Sorel on it. And isn't paranoia mm-hmm. wasn't that title used for orgasmo as well? Right. Or the other way around. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So or so they use orgasmo as the ter- as the name in Italy, and then when they put it out in the states, they use paranoia. And then when they wanted to make paranoia, they had to call it something else because paranoia had already come out. What a crock of shit. Okay. <laughs> called it paranoia part two. No shit. So at number four, we have the killer must kill again. Yay. Good one. And do you have an idea what number three is? Uh, it's got to be a muck. It's got to be a muck, which means we have a tie for first yep. with Bay of Blood and Black Belly of the Tarantula. Because you had it at one two and I had it at one two, but flip you had, oh, did you have Black Belly at the top? Yeah. Oh, okay, interesting. So if we took Black Belly and Bay of Blood off because those have already been on, those then redemption would be number one, yeah. and it would be perfect. It would just work nicely. Yep. So that was really hard doing all those films. <laughs> it it was it was very difficult because I was sitting at work and. I went through and I said, okay, let's, let me go through the list of the ones we did. I'm like, whoa, how am I supposed to really align all these in a, in a ranking? Because I could watch probably every one of these again, except for Bay of Blood and, ba- and Black Belly, and then probably have a different order. Yeah. I watched them again. I'd probably still put a muck at the top because I really liked it. But Yeah. One of the other things that was really hard was a lot of these movies had so much of the same cast. Mm, yeah that i would be thinking about it and i'm like wait that's not that movie that's dude. not the one that it didn't happen there yeah exactly yeah. so that took me um quite some time to kind of wrangle around with yep especially anyway. the, the lensy ones for sure oh for sure dude yep. for sure um there was a lot of carol baker in there yeah okay so with that being said I think it's time to move in to our feature presentations. So hopefully you guys already got your hot dogs and your popcorn and your soda poppy because um, first off, we are going to talk about a muck. And Chris wrote me and said, you know what? This is totally your type of movie. You should do this. <laughs> and I didn't want to say thank you so much because the other movie is not as fun, but it is as fun. But I get to do a muck. But a muck yeah. is way better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, let me paint a picture for you. Um, Barbara Boucher looking probably better than ever with more wardrobes that you could shake a stick at in Venice off Venice in an island with another chick that's pretty hot who mm. has just as many clothes and they're all freaky deaky 
with each other. Mm. That's a muck. I think this movie should be called Oh Shit because there's not a whole lot of a mucking going on. But I said Oh Shit probably more in this movie than I've said in any other movie. Let me explain why. So the movie starts off with Barbara Boucher showing up at this estate house on an island with luggage. So she's obviously staying for a little bit. And it turns out that she's the new secretary for this author guy that's supposedly really fucking famous. Um, she walks up and his wife's there and his wife at first acts like she doesn't know who the fuck it is. And I'm sitting there going, okay, if some bitch is walking up with luggage, you had to have known that chick was coming. Why are you <laughs> right. if you don't know who the fuck that is? So I was like, oh shit, dude, her husband's in deep shit. Cause he just got a hot ass secretary and apparently she's staying with him. Right. But then she's like typing. She meets, um, the author who's um farley granger and um he is awesome because a he brings this whole kind of jimmy stewart thing to this part and the whole time you're thinking he's gonna go oh you need some soup <laughs> right <laughs> so good at this kind of cheesy author guy that I was totally believing it. And he's from strangers on a train and rope and rope is one of my all time favorite movies. And he was in so sweet. So dead. And he was in the prowler. Oh yeah, that's right. As the sheriff. Um, so anywho moving right along. So, um, they have some like, they're kind of weird. And then like, yeah, go to bed. Like that means, bitch go to bed leave and she's like oh okay whatever and then the husband and the wife share this really creepy look while they're i believe smoking a joint together and you're like what the fuck's going on here then you find out that the reason why she's there is because the secretary before her disappeared mysteriously so you're like oh shit okay and she's hearing it and then the creepy butler who's also from fucking uh, bird with the crystal plumage and um we just saw him in something else recently too yep and he was in um cat of nine tails and he's just like you'll know him as soon as you see him he's all fucking looking like Kane from kung fu and shit with his fucking weird ass fucking red fucking chef outfit although there's one scene where he's in a white chef outfit shirt thing but the whole time i'm thinking he's gonna start fucking kung fuing motherfuckers you know he's just like dressed all to kill right and he catches her eavesdropping and then you're like oh shit because he's just dastardly and you're like going something's not right with that guy so then she's like naked she's getting in the shower and you see barbara's boucher i've been wanting to say that ever since it happened <laughs> and, um, and she puts on this like this like sorry excuse for a nighty. It's like a fucking piece of dental floss or something covering her body. Yep. And then there's some fucking scary dude staring at her through the window who apparently everyone compares to like a giant or something like that with the brain of a child. <laughs> and so you're like, Oh shit. And then you're like, and then she fucking pops up and she meets the cop and she's like, guess what? I'm here because Sally 
me and her were really close and she disappeared and these are and you're like oh my god she's the fucking amateur detective here holy shit oh shit and you're freaking out again <laughs> and then like you're like okay red herring after red herring and then the whole time i'm sitting there going you know what that author guy and his wife like every other scene they're like kind of off to themselves like one uh just being so fucking suspicious the whole movie you're like it's so obvious it's them. It can't possibly fucking be them. And then giant fingers McGinty, the fucking weird guy, the giant slash brainchild dude, he does a horrible thing with an eel that if that's how eels fucking made, I'm never going to fucking eat eel. Yeah. And he cuts his finger and she f- fixes his finger with this fucking giant fucking hanky, which just looked fucking ridiculous on the guy. And um, then he took his bloody fishy hands and he like kind of started grabbing towards her neck. And you're like going, you know what? I bet he had something to do with this too. And you're like, Oh shit. Is she going to be able to get out of there? Then. Okay. (laughs) While all this is going on, she's already been fucked by the fucking, um, the chick, the wife of the house, she like drugs her and fucking goes to town on her in slow mo, which was very arousing. If you <laughs> like to, say. Um, well, they have all these sex parties and there's all these naked motherfuckers hanging out. And you're like, what the fuck's going on? And then they're like, hey, <clears throat> Jesus Christ, the Domino's guy's driving like a fucking Mack truck. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so, the, so then um, they put on like this weird like porno of Little Red Riding Hood being raped by some dude with furry arms. It was really fucking weird. Yeah. And then afterwards, she was like all into it and chased after him. And he's like, bitch, beat it. I'm, I'm fucking, I'm tired. I'm going home. And um, there's this line in the dub that is so funny. Someone's like, that's got to be a dildo. i was just like what the fuck is going on and she's like making out with some dude and then she looks up at the screen and i'm like i bet that's her friend and all of a sudden she's like sally yeah the dude the author guy's like what the fuck he's like turn it off yeah all the song oh my gosh so then you're like oh shit he knows so then the next day when she's doing her work he's like okay i got a new story for you there's this girl who thinks her friend went missing so she went back to the house and little did she know that she was already dead because we're gonna fucking kill her and we're gonna throw her body in the fucking water and and all this other shit and you're like what the fuck and she's freaking out and so the whole time you're going oh shit but i'm sitting here going this is too easy it cannot be this guy it's just happens and then the funniest line is she says to the cop when she's trying to say she's like all he has to do is say all coincidences or or all events are purely coincidental and i'm like ooh, yeah that's good yeah that was a good line yeah so then he's like okay so i love you i think and she's like and i'm like come on and she keeps getting herself in stupid situations like she goes into this she's like the shittiest amateur detective everywhere she goes into this like basement and unlocks this padlock and then leaves the padlock on the fucking door and the whole time you're like she's gonna get fucking locked in right 
And then sure as shit, she gets locked in. And then there's this other little cage thing that she's trying to crawl out of. Even though she has a pocket full of keys, she tries to break a screwdriver on the thing without trying any of the keys. Idiot. Right. Right. And I'm like going, okay, you found a screwdriver, but you couldn't find any fucking bolt cutters or anything like that down there. <clears throat> so anyway, and she wears like these amazing outfits and there's this one scene where she's trying to like run away or hide and she's in like this fucking glow in the dark white fucking outfit with giant <laughs> white fucking boots. I'm like, what's she fucking doing? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's here. And then they're like, okay, well, you know, I'm not. I'm not the killer, obviously, you know, and I love you and shit. So we're going to go hunting in the morning with our guns and we're going to take you out on the boat to hunt ducks. And she's like, Oh no. And he's like, no, you're going to go. She's like, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck. But then she looks super hot in her little crocodile Dundee outfit. So I don't get mad at her. Right. Okay. So then they're fucking hunting and shit and fucking she starts to try to shoot. Cause she thinks they're shooting at her. And her gun doesn't work. So she's like, oh, like probably in her stupid head thinking, oh, they must have taken out the firing pin or something that um, she would say. But apparently she just had the safety on, supposedly. And um, as she's running away from getting shot at, she just happens to fall in quicksand. And out of nowhere, the cop shows up to rescue her. Yes. And um, it's just like, what the fuck? And then so... She finally says, well, he said, "Did he say something about how um, she had called when he wasn't there, and then he got the message and decided to come and look yeah, for that's her?" That's like that. fucking stupid. She thinks she's gonna get killed by these people. She calls the fucking cops, and she's like, "Is fucking homie mustache there?" And they're like, no, he's fucking in Milan or something. He'll be back tomorrow. Is there anything I could help you with? And she's like, "No." No, and I'm like, you're on the right. phone with the fucking police. Anyone there will be able to fucking help you. Right. So that was one of those things. And then she finally says when um, the author guy's like, yeah, I think I really love you. And it's cool because uh, my wife fucks everybody and it's cool and I'm totally okay with it. But you're super honest. And, and she's like, okay, so I want to know what happened to Sally. How'd she die? And he's like, oh, uh? and then he like goes and thinks by the bar and he's like, okay. It was a total accident. <laughs> this giant flashback scene that the whole time I'm like going, okay, how is she going to accidentally die here? Okay, she didn't accidentally die. She got fucking strangled by fucking fingers, the big fucking giant guy with the kid brain. Um, <laughs> and uh, the his wife just likes to do him because he's a giant dude with probably a giant stick that makes her feel all warm and fuzzy. <laughs> so for some reason or another, he kills the friend and um, she's like, oh, I wish you would have just said that. Everything's fine now. No big deal. I love you. I don't want you to leave. Da -da 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 -da. And so he goes on a train somewhere. And when she goes back to the house, the chicks there, um, the wife is there with the giant guy and she basically gives Barbara Boucher to the giant, hoping the giant's going to kill her. But guess what happens? Then fucking Kung Fu Panda guy, the chef gets stabbed in the fucking neck and you're like, what, how did that happen? Cause you thought he was in on it the whole time with everybody else. Right. So like going, Oh, the wife is the fucking 
nasty McGinty and all this stuff. So she's trying to get away. And then all of a sudden the author guy shows up and he's like, there was one thing I omitted from my confession to you. It's that I was here when everything happened and you know too much. So you have to die and all this other shit. Long story short, giant guy remembers <laughs> that homegirl helped wrap his finger. So he doesn't want to kill her after he's ready to fucking kill her. And right. Um, when the wife starts beating the shit out of the giant, he fucking knocks her head into the fireplace. And then, um, the author guy doesn't know what to do. So he runs at the dude and he stabs him in the stomach. So long story short, she's fine. She's going home. Everyone's happy. The cop wants to bang her, but instead buys her the biggest stack of fucking magazines on the face of the fucking planet, hands them to her. She gets on a train and she leaves. And that is a muck. So that wasn't a muck. It was amazing because I was constantly shocked. Like it's a movie that every time you think, you know, what's going to happen, something else happens. And every time you think, you know, someone's involvement, you don't, but then you do, but then you don't. And then you were right the first time, but then you were wrong. <laughs> You're so, right. <laughs> so that made the movie really fun. And Barbara Boucher looks amazing from the fucking start of the movie to the fucking end. Yep. Just, but she's dumb as a fucking sack of marbles, dude. <laughs> she's just stupid as shit. And like the whole time you're yelling at her going, why are you so fucking stupid? Just fucking, oh, but she has right. to be stupid or else there's no movie. So, um, what'd you think, Chris? I, I really like the first thing I noticed. Well, I had seen a muck, uh, quite a while ago. And I think that when I went to watch it this time that I had remembered that the Farley Granger character was in on it, whatever the in on it was. I didn't remember what the details were, but I was pretty sure that that last scene I had remembered what had happened and who did what, you know, that he was partly responsible. So, um, but uh, I mean, the first thing that we need to say about this film is that it desperately needs uh, an upgrade as far as its DVD, you know, or Blu-ray release because it the the version that I have I think is from a VHS copy that was mastered onto a DVD because uh, every once in a while you can see the little snow, the little tracking snow in my copy, which is like where the you know where where there's you know their interference in the in the VHS. But there's two versions, and I would, um, for people who are really nerdy about this stuff, if you go to, I think it's moviecensorship.com and look up Amok, they will uh, give you a detailed list of the two different versions that are out there. The one that is censored, and it's really, really censored, is the widescreen one, and the one that is not censored is the one that's full frame. I don't even want to call that a pan and scan because there is no pan and scan. Yeah, it's it's just a full frame one. So that's the first problem. I mean that and that's really the only problem. If you were to take this movie and remaster it from the original, put it in widescreen and 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 clean it up, it would be just so worth the money to purchase because it's it's 
I mean, it's it's really well filmed. It's well framed. But you know, you've got Barbara Boucher, and like I said, she, I I was totally, um, I totally paid attention to the fact that within the first five minutes, she had four different outfits on, and I'm like, this is fantastic. I hope it continues. And uh, seven, she didn't have anything on. Yeah, right. Exactly. Awesome. I like the one part where um, the brunette is in she says something like well you're embarrassed to change in front of me and then she turns around and decides that she's going to take her clothes off like like the like with with the with uh, an expression like oh yeah well haha to you like i'll show you like here's my here's my body here you know i'm just going to show it to you but um amazing yeah and uh and and so rosabla neri is no slouch she's pretty beautiful as well and yeah. i think it was it was completely a coincidence that I picked these two and did not know that both of them were in both of these films. I knew that Rosabla, Rosabla, is that her name? It's her first name. It's, it's, I couldn't even say her name in the movie and they kept saying her name in the movie. So yeah, Rosabla, it's, it's a weird, it's a it's a weird uh, first name. It's it's it takes you by surprise. It's like hard to pronounce. But at any rate, um, she's in the top sensation film that we were talking about doing with Edwidge. Yeah. Um, and she's in a couple other ones. But anyway, she's she's great in this. Uh, she's she's like, also in the arena, which is one of my favorite Pam Greer movies. Oh, really? Gives a shit. Hmm. Yeah. So and her character is supposed to be a uh, you know a crack shot with the uh, duck hunting, you know like that's her thing, and that was one of the interesting explanations as to why um, they didn't really shoot Greta because uh, Rosabla's character is such a crack shot that there's no way that sh if she was aiming for Greta while they're out there hunting that she would have missed, you know, and I thought that was pretty interesting. So but. then was she not aiming for her? Were they not trying to that kill That whole dude, that whole scene is I think is not really meant to propel the story in one direction or the other. I think it's just like a set piece. Yeah. Because, you know, I the the whole film has this kind of air of what's real, what's a story, what's part of the paranoia. Um, and you know, you have to try to wonder like, okay, um, so Greta's character is she's from New York, so she comes, and somehow she manages to get involved with the company that hires these secretaries. And it's not really clear if she truly is working as a secretary or whether she's just faking it because she's trying to figure out what happened to her friend. Um, but she types really, really well and really fast, um, at least in the beginning. And uh, so I'm trying to remember what my point was, but she 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 comes. Um, and she's doing this investigation, but like you said, she's kind of dumb and she's also very easily influenced by the drugs that they're taking. And I think there were some roofies, you know, situations going on too, where they were plopping pills in her scotch, um, as well as, uh, smoking some reef, um, but she's also like real susceptible to the sexual advances of pretty much everybody, you know, yeah. between, between the Rosabla, uh, the lesbian scene in slow motion. And then of course you've got this little flashback where 
you know, the, the relationship between her and the missing girl is a little bit more than just friendship. Well, yeah, that's another thing I didn't say is that they ended up being fucking, they were lovers or some shit. So that's why she was so upset about it or something. Yeah. I mean, we, we're not really sure. I think in 72, there was this kind of free love thing going on. So maybe there's, that was part of it, but I think we are supposed to understand that there was a connection between those two girls. That was more than just, you know, impl- you know, um, uh, colleagues, what have you, they were friends and, and whatever else. Um, but yeah, I mean, I forgot that it was in Venice. So the second time I watched it, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. It's in Venice. So that's pretty cool. Um, and some of the scenes, I mean, you know, a lot of it took place in the house and on the grounds, uh, near the house. And for, you know, if you're talking about a classic giallo or if you're talking about, the different types of jolly, um, the suspenseful mystery jolly that takes place in a single location, isn't really is really considered like a proto jalo kind of for, formula. So like the Umberto Lenzi um, movies are kind of like that, and some of the other earlier ones are kind of like that. And this one um, from seventy two. Um, it uh, it does have that same sort of. This is 1972. It's, it still has that same sort of a feel. Like it's a mystery. It's almost a little bit gothic because of the how spooky the house can be at times. Um, but you definitely have this um, amateur detective thing going on. Um, even though there's not a black glove killer and a lot of of, of slashing and 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 killing. Um, and then you also have this whole sex. Um, cult not really cult but you have like this weird kind of vibe where everybody kind of hangs out and and drinks and does drugs and has sex with each other and and that one scene at the end where they're listening to the record and it's sexually sexually, oh my God, that was so sexually. And, and it's the flashback and the girls dancing and do you have um, that song are you gonna play that yeah, yeah I, I did find it i found it on oh, youtube that's so. so awesome i think we'll open up the uh the, the show with that oh. sexually um, that's great. There's just, there's just so much, <clears throat> so much stuff in this movie that again, I, the point that I, I think I made on, on Jalo score was that if you had somebody that wasn't as absolutely, um, as gorgeous as Barbara Boucher in 1972, that would just basically, you would, you're just glued to the screen whenever she's on screen. Um, and you're not really paying that close attention to what's going on and maybe there's plot holes and it's kind of like, well, I'm not really, you know, at some point it, it moves a little bit slow because really you don't have any murders except for um, the waiter or the, the butler. And of course, there's a couple of people that get killed in the scuffle at the end, but there's no there's no murders. There's no stalking sequences. There's no set pieces of that in that regard. But um, there's a lot of kind of investigating and it all kind of transpires in this one area. And I think it would make, I think the movie would be boring if it wasn't for the, the cast. Um, yeah. They really, kind of really make, good cast. They make the film really, really, you know, stand out. And as far as the score is concerned, I mean, it's really interesting. Like I said, we don't have a black gloved killer on the loose here, but the film still scored 45 out of 60 in the staples. Um, and 21 out of 30 in the standards and another five points in those little signatures. So it earned 71 points 
um, which is a very good score for a film that doesn't have um, the typical black glove killer with a police investigation or an amateur detective investigation and all the stuff that goes along with it. So, um, so I was, um, I was pleasantly surprised at how well it did on the score. Um, but again, I think what needs to happen with this film is that everyone should see it because it's really good if you haven't seen it. Um, and they really need to do something about, um, putting it out on Blu-ray. Now, I think I'm going to look this up again because I forgot the names of the distribution houses. I did it too, and I couldn't find it. Are you talking about um, that message in Facebook? No, was there a message in face- Facebook? They're not a message, but like a a comment. Somebody was... There is... It is coming out on Blu-ray. And yeah, they, there, there's a... There's a uh, German Blu-ray. Um, yeah. Camera Obscura is the name of the um, there it is of the distribution house. But there's another one, and I think it's the one that's coming out for a, in United Kingdom. I forget um, who's putting that out. Uh, but anyway, so it's been announced, and the let's see the camera obscura release they're currently working on a blu-ray release of what have you done to their daughters or our daughters so i think a muck is like next slotted to come out so um that'll be that'll be great like somehow or another we'll be able to get our hands on a, a really good copy of that and i'd love to watch it again with uh it, when it's when it's remastered for sure um, but the it, other thing the other thing I was just going to say, um, since we're talking about the look of it, I, if you can watch it on YouTube, even if it is in the full frame, um, thing, I think that just did so much more for me with it looking so shitty. Oh, really? Having that just like old VHS look. Yeah. Or old shitty film look. Like I was just, uh, the whole time I was like, fuck, this is so cool. Um, and I'm afraid I'm sure it'll look good in Blu-ray, but like, I just loved how it looked on YouTube. I think that there's something to be said for the graininess of it. It kind of, it lends itself to the whole like mood and feel of the film. Yeah, for sure. I just wish that it, it was like a full, you know, uh, the, the, the full aspect ratio because there was, there were a lot of spots where I think, um, Greta's character was on screen and you couldn't even see her. Yeah. Uh, One of the funniest parts was when he's like, I've been waiting for five years to get this painting and now I have it. Do you know what it is? And I'm like, no, cause I can't see it. It's out of the fucking frame. Right. <laughs> and you never fucking really get to look at it. And then it ends up being something that's like the size of like a one by two or something. It's like really yeah. super small. Totally. That weird. was historical. Um, the other thing too is that, and thinking it after you were talking about that, um, I think with the whole like counterculture sex scenes and like free love bullshit that we've seen in a lot of these movies, I really think this one did it better than most of the movies we've watched. Like it, there was like a lot of nudity, but it wasn't like overkill. 
in the like party scenes. Right. And everyone was like, you knew what everyone was doing there and they didn't have to tell you. They weren't like, Hey, free love, man. Right. We're having an orgy. You know, it was like it. I, I just think like there were so many things that this movie did. Right. It's shocking that you don't hear more about this movie, you know? Like, yeah, I, I, it is interesting. I remember seeing um, an interview with Barbara Boucher about the film. I don't know where that interview came from, but it was, it was talking about how they were asking her, you know, how did the film come about and the casting and, and how did you feel about having to um, do this whole um, lesbian scene and so on and so forth. And, and she was like, no, you know, I just, uh, I just wanted to be good. I didn't, I wasn't really worried about, you know, what the taboos were at the time. I just wanted to be effective in, you know, in, in my, um, in my role. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it seems like it was pretty like professionally, not professionally, but it was well thought out as far as like you were saying, like they didn't like turn it into a gimmick any of the stuff it was it was all kind of dr- driving the 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 plot properly and um yeah just uh great so good stuff a mug um real quick um i forgot to do this beforehand but um we did get an answer to a question from last time from al oh yeah that's right correspondent he says ciao ciao guys in response to the question about beaches in italy there are stretches of sand that are similar to what you're used to but most of them are not very long a lot of the italian coast is rocky often volcanic rocky Mm. and it's often jagged and can very quickly chew up your flip-flops uh the beach shown in killer must is in fact very typical a small spot of sand flanked by rocks mm. chow chow so yeah um <clears throat> that odd little piece of beach is an actual thing and that's pretty fucking normal yeah so i'm glad that we i'm glad we know that because i um i had a feeling that this was something that was typical of uh, Italian culture, but I didn't want to say um, without having some, you know, some evidence to back that up. So, and I Thank had you, that it was just because that's where the house was. So I was wrong. That's yeah, well, that was the you were thinking that it was like a just a convenience thing. Yeah, for the plot, right? Yeah. I mean, why not? Now, speaking of convenience for the plot, hmm. let's talk about the French sex murders. <laughs> let's talk about French sex murders. Well, um, by the way, when you start typing that into YouTube and you get to French sex, yeah. all sorts of stuff comes up that you shouldn't be looking at. So just letting you know. It does. That is exactly right. And when I was trying to do some research on the film at work, you can imagine the kinds of things that were happening to me uh, as I was trying to filter out those suggestions. So the IT guys know you're a total pervert is what you're saying. 
Well, I'm one of the IT guys, so. <laughs> I don't have the I don't have the clout within our network to be able to um, supersede the filters and stuff, but I do know how to get around them. So I think that's the same thing, isn't it? Supersede, and get around. Yeah. Anyway, um, so the French sex murders. I have to say that this film has been on my list of films to see for a very long time. Um, partly, I think, because it was widely available on DVD for quite a while. And whenever I would go DVD shopping and I would go into places like Borders, does anybody remember Borders Bookstore? <laughs> Um, or Barnes and Noble or any of these other places that started selling um, DVDs, I would go in the horror section and I would see this French sex murders thing with this picture of this guy who looked like Humphrey Bogart. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. Maybe I should see this. And it talks about it being a Jalo, and I was just getting into Jalo at the time. But I never saw it. And um, it, it continued to elude me because we, you know, we talked about other f- films on the podcast and I, I looked and uh, watched other films for my website, and we finally got around to this because it was one of the remaining Jolly uh, starring Barbara Boucher, which really doesn't star her at all. Um, And I said, what a great way to finally see this film by pairing it up with another Boucher film and doing a double feature. So here we are with The French Sex Murders, also called Casa de Apuntamento, which I think translates as House of Pleasure. Although it just sounds like House of an Apartment, but that's because my um, my Italian is terrible. Let's see, let me just translate that real quick. Yeah, House House of Appointment, right? The appuntamento. I don't know what they were going for there, but I mean, clearly we're talking about the appointment and the whorehouse. At the whorehouse, yes. So. Yeah. Um, I gotta be honest. I'm not going to be able to do a blow by blow on this as as well as, as you the did girls on in the house. <laughs> Wait a minute. What happened to my? Uh, there we go. There it is. Um, I I'm not going to be able to do as good of a a recap. Let's let's say recap instead. Um, as you did with Muck, simply because uh, I kind of half-assed watched this film and only watched it once. Um, so. It starts out, interestingly enough, with a kind of pan shot of the Eiffel Tower, and it looks like someone falling off. And in, in fact, if you pay really close attention, it looks like when this figure who's fallen off the Eiffel Tower hits the ground, the camera shakes a little bit, like it hit the camera. Um, and I don't know if that was done on purpose or not, but the next scene, we have a whole bunch of cops running up um, the stairs of the Eiffel Tower, and then we have, again, somebody falling off, and then we start the film. Now, the film starts um, with our fantastic character, the guy who's probably the hero of the whole film, who doesn't even live to know that he's the hero of the film. Um, And now I'm looking up his name here, and I can't even find it. is it Antoine? No, it's not Antoine. Antoine was the guy with the really awesome hair, right? Uh, what's Antoine's last name? Antoine Gottvalis. No. The guy who was the assistant to the professor who had the, like the 
No, his yeah. name was like Rabolo or Ruvio or something like that. <laughs> right, let's see full cast here. Did I get it all? There was a lot of hairspray used in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Like a lot. Well, at any rate, um, character who goes in and for some reason we see him in the beginning stealing jewelry from some you know glass case and then he shows up at this whorehouse along with a couple of hooded figures and he barges into the room where Barbara Boucher is in this fantastic red bra and panties and um, the the version of the film that I saw there was kind of a sexual exchange between the two of them where they were playing with the jewelry and having you know doing some foreplay and that was like I in a different language and in a different quality of film. Um, I don't know why it was censored though, because there wasn't anything in there that needed to be censored. But at any rate, um, once the sex is over uh, for some reason, uh, this guy, and I again, forget his name. He just decides to beat the shit out of her. I don't well, know. He wants her to be with him only. And that's why he brought her all the jewels. And then they called her downstairs to get. Oh, her. cause there was another John, another John. It's the dude her. from uh bird with crystal plumage, the fucking redheaded guy. <clears throat> um, Oh, that guy is the, the guy who, uh, was always talking about writing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The guy who says, where else would a bird be? The zoo! Yeah, the zoo, of course. Now, where would you find a bird? The zoo. Yeah. So yeah. She, he was, she was supposed to go with that dude, and he got pissed off, and so he, oh, beat, okay. her he beat her up and said all kinds of weird things that didn't match up with what his lips were doing at all. Yeah. Um, and neither did she. So he leaves, and then all of a sudden some time goes by that we kind of lose because they just kind of cut all of that part out until they, until the end when they explain what happened. Um, and she's, but she ends up dead. And so now, uh, the cops come and this Humphrey Bogart character shows up and he's got, he's got the, the typical voice that's been dubbed in for the, uh, English language, uh, cop. And, uh, most, most memorable that voice is used as the cop in New York Ripper. Um, but he's, his voice is everywhere in these, in these Italian films. Um, so he's the, he's the in inspector. Um, and he's got this trench coat and smokes cigarettes and his hair slicked back. And he looks like um, Philip Marlowe or whatever detective name you want to give him. And um, I didn't really pay too much attention to what this guy was doing and, and what his, what his uh, investigation was all about. But basically they get this guy who was with the, the Barbara Boucher character and they condemn him to death um, by guillotine. So I don't know how, I mean, if anybody is out there and can tell me that they still chopped people's heads off in France in 1972, that would be really interesting to find out. But he decides to escape somehow manages to escape out of prison and find a car and start driving around and then switches over to a motorcycle. Uh, and then ironically um, ends up crashing into this large piece of metal sticking out of a truck and severing his own head, which was going to be his fate in the first place. So haha, isn't it an Alice uh, an Alanis Morissette song? Um <laughs> It's like rain on your Jalo French sex murders. Uh, and anyway, <clears throat> so 
Do you see what? Al right here? No, no. What did Al say? He says, um, uh, I don't even know how to say it. Appointmento. How do you say it? Appointmento is sometimes used over here to mean date, like a dude hooking up with a chick. Oh, okay. So that the house of hooking up, basically. <clears throat> so cool. Um, now, before this character died, and I really wish I keep saying this character. I I, I feel bad that I don't His remember name the character's is Scarface name. McAcid Wash Jacket. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> he told everybody that he was going to come back from the grave and kill them all and put a curse on them. And so that little tidbit of information is kind of permeating right under the surface with um, everybody's kind of. Uh, the motivations and their actions and they're all thinking about this but um basically um we have some other characters we have this professor who's friends with the judge who condemned him they order his head for some reason uh to do to look at his eyes or to to do some scientific experiments on his eyeballs which is why the film gets a credit for pseudoscience um and there it's is done very scientifically by the way it was very. No, it was disgusting. It yeah. was just like, let's take this jello-y thing and cut through it. Um, the French were using guillotine guillotines until 1977. Holy uh, shit! <clears throat> That's crazy. Wow, that is pretty Thanks, crazy. Guys. Alan Jason, and then Jason says uh, guillotine was used in France up until the, abol the uh, abolition of the capital punishment in 1981 or so. Wow. It's probably more humane than what we do in the United States, except for the, I guess, the mental anguish that goes on before it happens. But you could say that about any execution, really. So, um, so now, um, the other thing that I think was important about this was there's another blonde girl who on the surface looks exactly like Barbara Boucher's character, uh, even down to the point where she's wearing the red um, top and bottom. But um, as I'm scanning through the film, just looking for, for, before I even watched it, looking for parts of the film to see where Barbara Boucher was at, I kept thinking she was still in the movie, even though she had gotten killed. So she's the daughter of the professor, and she's dating the professor's assistant, and they're trying to keep it secret. So that's going on. And then you have the wife of the guy who got his head cut off and she's getting it on with the guy who owns the club, I think. Who I thought was Asian for like half the movie. <laughs> he has a weird face. And to see him like in bed with her and you're like, ugh, like it's a man's world for sure. Like how did this even happen? Um, so... I don't even honestly remember the rest of the, I guess the, the second act of the film, I guess more and more people got killed. Um, well, the one thing that was confusing for me too, was that there's a blonde girl named Tina who's a hooker. And then there's a blonde girl who's the daughter. Oh yeah. It wasn't the same person, right? No, I think it's, what's her name? Like Eloise or Alonia or something. Right. Because she, her name gets muttered over and over again in the end. Eleonora, Eleonora, Evelyn Craft is her name, the actress, um, and she's she's very hot too. Like I, I was enjoying watching her, um, but um, yeah, like I said, I didn't pay 
too close attention to Act Two, um, other than the fact that more and more people were getting killed, and then they finally got to the point where there was this aha moment where um, the professor, or not the professor, the inspector um, f- finds. Well, or, well, no, I guess what happened. Really, the interesting, real interesting piece of the film is when the the guy who's the author, the guy from Bird with the Crystal Plumage, is um, with his girlfriend and Rosabla's character. She shows up, um, <laughs> Marianne, and they're talking about something and how she's scared and she thinks somebody's out to kill her. And he goes, "I can't talk to you right now. I have something else that I have to do." And so she the leaves. He said it was so rad. He's like, I really have something else I have to do. <laughs> right. And, and the something else he had to do was this girl laying naked on this bed waiting for him. Like he just, see you later. He, he goes through the curtain and then there she is and they start going at it. And um, they had a couple of really interesting murder pieces on this. And one of them is the, the, um, the uh, Marianne character, the Rosabla Neri character. Um, she kind of, there's a scene where her head kind of stretches through the curtain or something to see what happened. And she gets her head chopped off, but then they do it three different times with three different like mono color palettes. They did that on every fucking kill except that. Yeah. Oh dude. It was so for the first one. Right. And it just made everything look so fucking fake. Right. Like when you see it once you're like, Oh, suspension of disbelief. But when you have to watch it five fucking times, Exactly. It's like shit. But I guess if you're in a, a dark movie theater in 1972, even seeing it three times, you know, some uh, of the people... That was would... 15 feet high. Like, I think it would look pretty shit. <laughs> it looks shit on my iPhone, so I'm sure it looks shit on a fucking theater screen. Exactly. <clears throat> so, um, and then the, and then, uh, the, other, <laughs> the other guy gets killed, and then the, the cop shows up, and it looks like He's written the letter um, M in blood. And so there's your clue. And it turns out that um, M can be uh, traced back to um, one, of them, one of these people and the boyfriend um, who goes by the he name of his dog. No, see, this is the part where I didn't fucking understand. His name's Martin, but she calls him Mike when they have sex. Right, right, right. So how the fuck did the doctor know he was Mike? And how the fuck did Humphrey Bogart know it was Mike? (laughs) I don't know. Like, that didn't make any fucking sense at all. I was like, what the fuck just happened here? (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Yeah, that was a little bit um, odd. But um, as it turns out, our awesome inspector gadget uh, or whatever his name is, he realizes that um, in fact, what has happened is that the M is really a W. Um, No fucking shit because that's the way that guy would have saw it. Right. Exactly. That was so fucking dumb too. They're going to draw it upside down so that the person who found his body would know the letter, but when you're in the, in the midst of dying, wouldn't you just draw it facing yourself, I guess. Right. So, um, so that turns out that we're talking about professor Waldemar or Valdemar with a W and he's the, basically there's this psychosexual thing and we're ruining the ending, but who gives a shit? Um, 
he's the psychosexual guy who's got who's in love with his own daughter and this chain of events had happened in this film where he shows up as one of these uh high profile guests of the whorehouse and goes into um uh, Barbara Boucher's character's room after the guy that got pinned for her murder leaves and thinking that it's his daughter instead um, ends up killing her because she doesn't want to mean things to him. Right. Yeah. Whatever. So then because of that, he had to continue to kill people because they all knew that it was him. No, no, or something. I don't think they did. They, the way they made it sound is that he had to keep killing because of the curse. Oh, the curse going. And he's like, the eyes made me do it because, and I'm like sitting here going, you didn't have to fucking kill anyone after that because everyone thought it was that dude. You right. could have fucking just been cool and everything would have been fine. But if you believe the curse, then right. Even though he was dead, you still had to kill people because the curse. I guess. Right? I don't fucking know. <laughs> the dumbest part of that whole thing is that Humphrey Bogart is fucking talking about, like, he's like, I would have got here sooner if I would have realized that that was a W and not an M. <laughs> but he's like talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. And while he's talking, the dude gets away and he's like, oh, shit. Oh, and he has to fucking go chase him. It's like, but I was so happy when that happened because I'm sitting there, I'm scoring the film, and I'm going, "Oh man, they're not going to just capture him, right? Are they going to like, you know, is he going to have some sort of escape and then run and 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 then die?" And I'm, I was really hoping for that, and that's exactly what happened. So um, <clears throat> that, that part was fantastic. I was excited. You get to see him run up the Eiffel Tower. And by the way, he's very fucking spry for an older dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was flying up that thing. And the whole time I'm sitting there going, isn't there a fucking elevator? Like, if that dude's running up the Eiffel Tower, they could just take the elevator and be there like 10 minutes before he gets to the top. Like, what the fuck? Correct. And not only that, but um, this is a rehash of the scene we saw in the beginning, right? I mean, it's just the same thing. Because the scene happens in the beginning and then it's like one of those old gumshoe sleuth movies and Humphrey Bogart goes, it happened the night before carnival or the whatever. So it's like (laughs) his recount of what led up to this point of having the shittiest special effects of someone jumping off the (laughs) Eiffel tower. (laughs) It was like a fucking piece of paper coming down, like a cardboard cutout. I don't know what the fuck it was, dude. It looked like it was done in post with like, yeah, it was awful. But you know, there was, I mean, the, I, I think the film is entertaining to a certain extent, like, because it's bad and there's some funny moments in it. And, you know, I don't know how many times, you know, you could recommend watching this. Um, it really gave me, it gave me the 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 strip nude for your killer vibe. Although, oh, bite the, your tongue. No, I mean, I mean, listen, <laughs> strip nude is definitely a better film than this for sure. Um, but it just had that same kind of cheap look. You know, it's like all the sets kind of look cheap, and the there was a lot of like extra lighting 
that you know oh, they the did during the movie was horrific. It was yeah. like they had never made a movie before. <laughs> it was so bad. Like when someone walks into the living room, there's like eight shadows of him on every fucking wall. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck are they doing, dude? Um, but notice, um, oh, it slipped my mind. Go ahead, continue. Oh, wait, well, I like when I he's like banging the- on the door to try to get his wife to open the door to let him in. It's like he's supposed to be banging on like a fucking apartment door or something, right? He's like in someone's house, like just banging on like the bedroom door. Like, there yeah. were so many little like, things, like, the, like, I guess you're supposed to assume that he's in some sort of apartment. You know, yeah. where there's an internal um, hallway of some sort. But like, even when he's like breaking in at the beginning in the church and he's stealing the jewels or whatever, right. he has like some like fucking thing to like break open the lock. But then you look and there's no lock. He just like went <laughs> and then like he didn't even try to hide it. It's just right. like there were so many little things like that that you're like, fucking hell, dude. Right, right, right. <laughs> Well, I, if you notice the scene where he's riding on the motorcycle, right before he's about to get the decapitation, there's a close-up of his head, and it's all dark. Yeah. <laughs> but he's riding around in the daytime. Yeah. When um, the dude with the big hair was in the car with the scientist's daughter, and they were like off having to be like really far away to be alone or whatever when right. they stopped it was daytime when he looked at her and was talking to her it was daytime <laughs> but then when she turned to look at him it was like pitch fucking black <laughs> <laughs> it was just like what the fuck man? oh man oh. yeah it so i mean this was clearly um a chop shop kind of you know for the sake of let's you know, let's try and make us some money off of this genre. Cause I mean, it's 1972. You're talking about the, the height of the, of the popularity. So I think that they threw this thing together. They grabbed a couple of people that were going to pull in um, some, some ticket sales just based on their names and uh, put this film together. So I, um, like I said, I recommend it only because of um that there's you know there's 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 a lot of um good looking girls in the film and um it's kind of silly uh the murder scenes are really funny to watch um so it's it's kind of got a party vibe to it if you're if you're really in in the mood for that let me ask you this who did you think the killer was i thought the killer was rosabla neary's character really for a while because um I thought for I sure. I don't know why. Honestly. I thought for sure it was the author. Okay. I thought for sure, and then when yeah, he, um, I think I thought that too at one point that it might have been him. But the other thing that made this movie kind of fun in the whodunit vibe is that when he's when the killer, the first guy who was in court or whatever, when he said he was going to come back, right, and all this other shit, they, it went negative, like. Oh yeah, yeah. And he's I like yep. like one of you people here is the one who killed her. And so and then it shows every single face and so you're like going, "Okay, so it's one of these people." So it right. even like it kind of like spoon feeds you like, "Okay, we're going to do a who done it right now." Yeah. Obviously not him. It's one of these people. Who do you fucking think it is? Right. You know? And so that um made it did- a little bit fun. I didn't notice if they um, 
if they showed the professor's face in that montage. Um, I can't remember if they did or not, but he was there, I think. Yeah. But um, and then he was driving me crazy. I couldn't remember where I recognized him from. But if you um, watch any like Jess Franco movies, he's in a ton of Jess Franco movies. Okay. So that's where um, I was like, oh fuck that guy, yeah. Um, but he was driving me crazy the whole movie trying to place that. But uh, the other thing I was going to say about it was just that <clears throat> what kind of struck me. Okay, so it's 1972. To have somebody look like Humphrey Bogart in 1972 <laughs> must have been like the weirdest fucking thing in the world. Because it, it's it wasn't far enough away for it to be like kind of cool, yeah. like ooh, 50 chic. You know, it was like just like 12 years after. Yeah. You know? And there's this fucking dude in Paris who looks like that and sounds like that. Like, this is awful. Like, I don't know why this is happening. So that whole thing, it kept it interesting to watch, but he was a shit cop. Yeah. He was awful. Like, you would expect if he was, like, the Humphrey Bogart guy. And he was also in a movie called The Man Who Had Humphrey Bogart's Face or something. Oh, yeah, that's right. I heard about that. Okay. So... It's just like he, I guess, made a living off of looking like Humphrey Bogart. And that just wasn't like a thing for the movie. That was like his fucking shtick. Right. But um, I don't know, man. Like, I I was so hot and cold with the movie. Yeah. Yeah, me too. It it was like, okay, it's starting to... It's 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 doing something interesting now, and and then now it's not again. Talking about it now makes me kind of... Like it's more endearing than it was when I watched it. Right. But um, I don't know if I could watch it again. Like yeah. the, the rewatchability of that one is, but the th- shocking thing is talk about the Jalo score. Cause this is fucking ridiculous. Well, the Jalo score, it did fantastically. This so is crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's a terrible movie, but it just goes to show you that, you know, um, when you're talking about what what is it that classifies these films as um, as a giallo, like the very specific things that go into these films, um, that if you go and you and you you know you compile them from the ones that are the most famous, um, you get this this list. And again, you know, we've said this a million times. This is my arbitrary list. It's not really that scientific it's it's totally biased to the way i watch movies but um short dude it's awesome the the, um there's no there's no amateur detective here i mean all of the sleuthing was done by humphrey bogart so it lost five points for that and um it lost five points for the fact that the guy who directed this really never did anything else he's only got i think one other film as a director and it's a western it's got to be a fake name. Like it's got to be somebody else. Like I wouldn't be surprised if it was Jess Franco that did it. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, I not surprise me at all. If you look at IMDb, I think it's he's listed as F. L. Morris uh, as the director, but his name is Ferdinando Merigi or Merigi. So I don't know. I call bullshit. So. <clears throat> If you take those 10 points that they lost because there was no amateur detective and because the director had only done one giallo, 
um, this film would have scored a 93. That's fucking ludicrous, dude. Because it basically, it hits all of the signatures. It hits 50 out of 60 points of the staples, and it hits uh, 23 out of 30 points for the standards. So, um, you know, you, wild. you get the mistaken identity where they catch the killer and everybody thinks that they've caught the killer, but they really didn't. And we can also talk about how the soundtrack was just recycled from other... Um, from Black Belly the Tarantula. From, that, ba- from Black Belly and from All the Colors of the Dark. Yeah. The, the scene where he's driving around in the city and the, and the music is like, dong, 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 dong. So it's Bruno Nicolai. So he get, they get points for that, even though it wasn't an original score. Um, there's nude scenes. There's suspects. It's an urban location. There's a flashback revelation because they bring the professor in and show what really happened with uh, <clears throat> Robert Boucher. There's a heavy body count. There's a funeral. They go to the funeral for whoever got killed. Um, motorcycle racing. There's a chase scene. There's a J&B bottle. Um, Fucking hell, dude. Pseudoscience. Um, and I even gave it a point for mis- visual misinterpretation because the the detective saw the M and not the W. And then he said, once I realized it was a W... So it's like the cheap version that's of that's the dumbest shit I've ever fucking heard. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did um, pick out the other one where he was questioning the one guy and then he said, here, would you like to have a smoke? And the guy takes the cigarette and lights it with his left hand. And uh, he says, yeah, you can let him go. He's left-handed. Our killer was right-handed. I said, I knew that was coming. I knew they were going to use that one because it's so like the first time they did that in like 1920 or whatever, it was really yeah. like cool. And now, you know, 50 years later, it's it's not so novel anymore, I guess. That is hysterical. Um, but there was one other thing I was going to say about it. But it, it, it. This is like the perfect example of someone taking like something like Bird with the Crystal Plumage and trying to like mimic every formulaic thing in it. Right. Yep. And like going, I have no idea how to make a movie, but I'm going to do it anyway. And we're going to make a shit ton of money. And yeah. I mean, because you, you know, the, if you think about it, bird came out, you know, two years before this. So it had plenty of time for people to study it and pay attention to, you know, what, what it was about that film that like struck such a chord with everybody. And so it's yeah. like, well, let's just, let's just do the same thing. It's crazy. That's so yeah. fucking crazy. Um, anyway, uh, Jason said, um, uh, talking about the guillotine again, at least it was on the books up to that point, I believe, and agreed, frankly, I've always thought that the easiest way to handle an execution would be a nice double tap to the back of the skull. It's called execution style for a reason. <laughs> well, not like four flies in gray, on gray velvet where they they stick a stiletto in the guy's neck so that he'll he'll bolt upright and then um, they chop his head off. <laughs> Dude, seriously, that just the thinking of that scene playing in slow motion every 10 minutes in that fucking movie yeah. made me just so mad right now. And I haven't even watched that movie since we watched it the first fucking time. Really? I love that scene. It's oh great. my God. It's like if we saw it one time, that would be awesome. But it's just like it kept coming back and it kept coming back. And it's like, I'm swinging this fucking slow. <laughs> Fuck. 
Yeah, but don't forget that you know each time uh, they showed you a little bit more, and you know it it not to spoil the movie, but it it has something to do with the ending. So you know what else has something to do with the ending? The fucking <laughs> credits. <laughs> That's great. Uh, oh, when's the when's the four flies redemption episode? Oh. That's what I want to know. Like seriously, it will come a day when we have to do four flies in a lizard and woman's skin, just to see. But like, I'm telling you right now, I don't know if I could do it. <laughs> I might call in sick that day. I don't think you can do it either. <clears throat> um, but anyhow, so uh, moving right along. That's those were the movies. That's what happened. Um, everything happens for a reason. I guess. Yeah, that's that's if you're, you know, if we're going for self-help books here, that's a great slogan. Yeah, I think everyone should watch the two movies we just talked about because a buck's awesome, and because you have to at least see this to know what to not see or something. I don't know. Like, I think it has value if you're considering like historical context. If you're trying to make sense of how all of these films kind of influenced and informed each other. Like this one was definitely, you know, um, a film that um, didn't do anything original, but <clears throat> tried, uh, uh, tried very hard to be successful based on the success on everything else. Original were awful. Right. If you guys, <clears throat> I don't know, you guys have to be really hardcore horror nerds to even want to do this, but um, back in the 90s, I guess it was, like late 90s, um, Lionsgate had, um, I can't even know, how, I don't even know how to say his name, like Uli Lamel or Uli Lomley do all of these um, really crappy direct-to-DVD um, serial killer movies. <clears throat> and um, one of them was BTK Killer. And that movie's just fucking god awful. Mm. And the way they did the death scenes in BTK Killer reminded me of this, or okay. vice versa. And I don't know if it was just because that mo- I hate that movie so much that <laughs> when I saw the death scenes kind of do the same kind of thing, I was like, "Fuck me, dude." Yeah. Um, but other than that, this movie was fun. Right there, it is. There you have it. Okay. All right. So, <clears throat> um, make sure to uh, leave us a review on iTunes if you love us, and um, or if you don't, or if you don't, um, I will think you're a jerk, but that's fine. Um, and then if you go to um, chow 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 dot com or chow chow network dot com. Um, you can find out all the information about the new Chow Chow Network and the um, Patreon page or just go to patreon.com slash chow chow um, to find out all the perks, everything you get, all the benefits, and um, all that other shit. Yeah, it's very awesome. <clears throat> and you did, um, you did a good job on that. I oh, like it. You. I like the mood a lot. This looks cool. And I will put you um, – I'll send you some stuff to for you to do the forum sign up and all that shit. Okay. Um, 
so for everybody else, um, thank you guys so much. And next week we will have um, criminal chow chow for you. So episode one. Sweet. So that will happen. So until next time, everybody, ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Network. Ha, ha, ha.